Gentlemen, thank you for the diehards. Thank you for joining continuously. Um, again, each time we begin, I do want to already reiterate that this class is in merit of a refuah shlema for the Rosh Hashiva, Harav Yisrael Noyach Ben Hinda, that he should have a refuah b'mhera v'yameinu, refuah s'nefesh, refuah s'aguf, b'sach shachol Yisrael, as well as, aside from the learning, but in the merit of us taking on seriously the Torah that he's shared with me, the Torah that he's shared with anyone else, and trying to make it real. And to the extent that we demonstrate how relevant his Torah is, Hashem uh, should open up the gates of Shemayim, that, uh, that uh, we should realize how much we need him, and that will allow Hashem to... Uh, give him a full shlema. When I was there, when I went to leave, he told me to give him a bracha. <laughs> God, I had to catch myself here. So I said, I give you a bracha that uh, Hashem should realize how much the world needs you. And so he should give you a full shlema. He said, it's a horrible bracha. I said, <laughs> I said why? He says, Hashem knows how much the world needs me. <laughs> give me another bracha. <laughs> Hashem doesn't need to be told how much. Okay. So I gave him a bracha that we should realize how much we need him and his wisdom. This week, the moving along to the mitzvah of Yiras Hashem, the next mitzvah in the order that we've chosen to go in, in the six constant mitzvahs, in the Sheish Mitzvahs Tmidias, as the Chinuch describes, there are six mitzvahs, just to reiterate the whole concept, that there are six mitzvahs that are different than any other mitzvah that we do, that there are six mitzvahs that are incumbent upon us to perform and fulfill every moment of our lives, as well as not only incumbent, but that we have the ability and we have the obligation and the opportunity to fulfill every moment of our lives. We've gone through so far the first of the Sheish Mitzvahs to know that there's Hashem, we spoke about that it's not just to know that there's Hashem, but it's more to live with that knowledge, i.e. to live with Amuna, which meant betachon, living with an element of trusting Hashem. That was the first one. The second one we did was Yichud Hashem, knowing that Hashem is one. And last week we did Avas Hashem, loving Hashem. This week we get into one that's a little more challenging, it's a little more heavy, not in terms of its complexity. Obviously, the most complex one that we did was Yichud Hashem. But in terms of its heaviness, this one is definitely up there. And that's Yiras Hashem. Fearing Hashem. Yiras Hashem, Yiras Shemayim. The Chinuch brings it down that we have a mitzvah to fear Hashem. And this is one that everyone's aware of. It doesn't take someone long to be involved in Torah and mitzvahs to know that there has to be an element of fear. Reishis Chachma Yiras Hashem, Chazal say. The beginning of wisdom, the very first step in wisdom, is Yiras Hashem. Yiras Hashem, fearing, uh, fearing heaven, fearing God, is the first step in wisdom. Reishis Chachma Yiras Hashem. It is the foundation of all wisdom. Reishis Chachma Yiras Hashem. So what we're going to try and understand tonight is what is fear of Hashem? Why is it so difficult? And what can we do to get it? Okay? Those are the three steps we're going to go through. Again, what is it? Why is it so difficult? And what can we do to get it? So first, what is it? What is fear? If you were to go out there and ask the average person, what is fear? Where does fear come from? Before we even talk about fear of Hashem. If we don't know what fear is, how can we talk about fear of Hashem? We've got to define our terms. So what's fear? Most people mistakenly say what? That fear is? Well, fear and scary, that's, syn that's synonymous, but uh, we don't want to do synonyms. We want to understand. Where does fear come from? What do most people say? Fear comes from? Lack of understanding. Lack of understanding. The unknown. Fear of the unknown. I will demonstrate to you that is the biggest misnomer. No one, no one fears the unknown. No one fears the unknown. That is a fact. And anyone with a young child knows that that's a fact. <laughs> no child fears anything until what? 
they know that there's a reason to be scared. Oh, mommy, what's this hot red thing up here? <laughs> Except they don't say hot. What's that glowy red thing? Well, it's so pretty. <laughs> I want one. <laughs> do you know that it's unbelievable? This has nothing to do with our discussion, but the human being, if you put any living creature, with the exception of a human, on the top of a cliff, a young animal, what will it do? Coil. You put an infant that just learned how to crawl on the top of a cliff, say bye-bye baby. Because they have no clue. Fear of the unknown is a lie. It's a misnomer. When you are on an African tropical safari, well, that was a, that was a misnomer, an African tropical safari. <laughs> if you're on an African safari in the jungle, out in the bush, Right? There's a famous uh, park. I forget the name of it. Uh, there's a famous park. It was a big sensation on YouTube because it was this unbelievable uh, scene where, where they had these water buffalo and lions. Yeah, and, no, it wasn't in the Serengeti anyway. But where it was unbelievable. Three different packs of animals all, and, and all of them lived in the end. It was incredible. All of them lived in the end. But anyway, if you're out there, okay, and you decide you want to see something really special, well, things only happen in the late afternoon, evening hours. You know, if you ever, you ever watch animals in the middle of the day, they're not very exciting. They just lie around and do nothing. Well, you decide that's pretty boring, and you know what? You're going to break the rules, and you're going to stay in the park after hours. Yeah, camp out, right. So you're camping out, and you're like waiting to see something. Well, sure enough, you see something. <laughs> you see a pack of lions staring at you. And their mouth is dripping. <laughs> and they start walking. And they're getting a little faster until they start sprinting towards you. Now, are you scared? Why? You know what's going to happen. You shouldn't be scared. <laughs> The reality is, is you know darn well what's happening. You're about to be eaten. Hence, you're petrified. Fear comes from the known, not from the unknown. The Hebrew word for fear is yireh, which literally means from the root to see. Fear is to see. It's not what you don't see, it's what you do see. So why do people say that they fear the unknown? It's not that they fear the unknown. It's that if they don't know the outcome, they subject themselves to the possibility of a negative outcome. That's where fear comes from. Fear comes from the possibility of a negative outcome. That is the essence of fear. Fear comes from seeing the consequences. That is fear. Seeing the consequences. That is the essence of fear, seeing the consequences. When we speak about Yiras Shemayim, Yiras Hashem, when we speak about fearing Hashem, fearing God, well, then we're obviously speaking about the ultimate consequences. What are the ultimate consequences? Heaven and hell. Heaven and hell. I hope this doesn't come to a surprise to anyone in this room, that we do believe in heaven and hell. You know, you could go years... In, in a Jewish life, you can go years in a Jewish education and think that Jews don't believe in hell. Well, that is a lie. We do believe in hell. Heaven and hell. It comes from us. We're the ones who taught the world about heaven and hell. Any, any mis, misconception that they have about hell, they got from us. We believe in heaven and hell. There are serious consequences. Serious, serious consequences. That's called heaven and hell. And in order to understand this, to really make this real, this is what is fear. This is, we're trying to understand now just what is fear. In order to understand this, you have to understand the Mishnah in Perkyavos. Mishnah, we're going to be doing a few Mishnahs in Perkyavos. There's a famous Mishnah in Perkyavos in the fourth parak.
one moment, one moment, one moment in Olam Abba is greater than all of this world. One moment in Olam Abba is greater than all this world. You know what that means? You have to take it step by step. Step by step. All the pleasures in this world. All the pleasures that you can possibly have in this world. And we know that there's an incredible amount of pleasure in this world that we are not, we're not having. No one in this room is having all the pleasure that's possible in this world. Just think about the pleasures that are available in this world. Aside from the pleasures that you actually could get, you don't even have all those. All the pleasures that you'll never have. You know, I just saw a video. Someone sent me a video. Someone said, Rabbi Demi, you're going to love this. You would love this. Some guy in Switzerland just flew. Without a plane, he flew. <laughs> Strapped a rocket on his back and flew. Literally flew over the Alps in Switzerland. I mean, just, just his body with wings on his back. But the way he moved his body is the way he flew. Can you imagine what that must be like? <laughs> what a thrill, what a high that must be like. All the pleasures in this world, add them all up. None of them compare. None of them are worth and equal to the pain of this world. All the pain in this world. None of us would say, oh yeah, I want that. It's not worth it. Rahman al-Islam, you lose a child. God forbid, any of us should suffer. Any of the pains that, that, that this world could offer us. The pain of this world. you imagine the pain of this world that exists? Add up all that pain, all of it, that exists in this world, not an iota of a fraction of what one moment in hell will be like. Not one iota of a fraction of what hell would be like. And you add up that, that's nothing. Nothing, he says it. Nothing in this world is compared to one moment in Olam Abba. Hell is Olam Abba. We, we, we say Olam Abba. Olam Abba just means the world to come. Hell is part of the world to come. The pain that we're going to feel in hell is eternal. It's for eternity. For eternity. Can't compare. All the pleasure in this world cannot compare to that pain that we will have. But yet, but yet the Mishnah says, the Mishnah says that that is nothing compared, that is nothing compared to the reward that you will get. That the reward, the pleasure of that reward, makes that pale in comparison. And that pleasure, you have to, this is just simple understanding of this Mishnah. That pleasure is nothing compared to the reality of doing the Ratzon Hashem in this world. Go through those steps again. Very simple understanding of the Mishnah, but very hard to really grapple with and understand what we're saying. That all the pleasure that this world has to offer is worthless when compared to all the pain that this world has. And all the pain that this world has is nothing compared to the pain of one moment in hell. And all that is nothing compared to all the reward that we will get. And all that is nothing compared to the reality of doing the Ratzon Hashem, of doing God's will in this world. That is fear. That is ultimate fear. Realizing the consequences. Seeing the real consequences that are in front of us. Of everything we do. We do a mitzvah, we're getting reward. We do an Avera, it's going to be a punishment. And being real with that. Being real with that. That for everything we do, that there's a consequence. That's why this is a constant. 
That's why this is a constant mitzvah, because every moment of our lives, we are either getting reward or we're getting punishment. Every moment of our lives, we have the ability to do the right thing or the wrong thing, and to realize that there's a consequence for everything we do. Now that is the essence of fearing Hashem. Now that's a very, very difficult thing to grapple with. And the reason we don't like grappling with fear, I know people like fear. People always say, oh, fear is not a good thing. If you go out and you ask people, fear is not a good thing. Why is not fear not a good thing? Maybe people give you several reasons why fear is not a good thing. We're going to see that I personally think that they're all lies. <laughs> they're all excuses, not lies, excuses. They're all excuses. The first reason that people get, say fear, they don't like fear, is because it's debilitating. It's debilitating. You don't, it, it prevents you from accomplishing things when you cower in fear. You get someone who's petrified of something. They can't do it. Someone who's scared of heights. They can't jump off a cliff into a pool. They can't go off a diving board. Someone who's scared of heights, difficult to get on a plane. So fear is very debilitating. It prevents you. It holds you back. Now, fear can't be a good thing. You have a mitzvah to fear God? Well, that's going to hold you back. That's another reason that people say they don't like fear. Another reason that people say they don't like fear is because it prevents you from being genuine, being yourself. Someone bullies you into doing something. Are you doing it because you wanted to do it? Are you doing it because you were forced to do it? You're forced to do it. That wasn't my choice. I didn't want to do it. Another reason, there's two reasons so far. Another reason that people say fear is because it's belittling. It's belittling. I mean, that it's, it's, you're not doing it for the right reason. You know, an atheist will tell you, look, I don't believe in God. <laughs> but if you tell me that you're doing this because you don't want to get, go to hell, you want to get to heaven, that's disgusting. You should do the right thing because it's the right thing. Even if it means going to hell. <laughs> that's, what, that's what an atheist will say to you. You should do the right thing because it's the right thing. Even if it means you're going to go to hell. Doesn't matter. You still do the right thing. Now, that one for sure is a joke. We don't need to... If you want me to explain why that one's a joke, that's... But that's what they'll tell you. You do the right thing for the right reason. Because it's the right thing to do. Not because you're scared of the consequences. And then the final reason that people say that they don't like fear is because it's not an enjoyable experience to be in fear. Who wants to go through their life in fear? Yeah, people hear you, people say, who wants to go through life looking over their shoulder? You want to go through life like that? Nobody wants to go through their life looking over their shoulder, feeling like they're a victim, feeling like at any moment they could be attacked. That's fear. Who wants to live like that? That's not life. And I say all these are excuses. All of these are excuses. And I'll tell you why. Because they're right, but to a point. Yes, fear holds a person back. And yes, fear prevents a person from doing what they want to do. But you know when that is? That's only when a person refuses to stand up to their fear. That's when fear is debilitating. If you have an opportunity to do something and you don't do it, you back out only because you were scared, most often you will spend the rest of your life looking back, regretting it. But if you stood up, if you stood up and faced your fear, you'd spend the rest of your life feeling empowered. Anyone here ever stand up to their fear? You feel powerful. I stood up to my fear. The only time fear is degrading is when, it, when you feel inadequate. When there's inadequacy, that's when fear is debilitating and degrading. When someone doesn't stand up to their fear or someone is inadequate against their fear. When there's no way out, 
because there's nothing I could do. Then the fear conquered me. But if I have the ability to stand up to my fear, I'm not inadequate and I choose to stand up to the fear, there's nothing more powerful. There's nothing more empowering and there's nothing more invigorating than someone who did that. You speak to anyone who's ever really stood up to their fear, they will all tell you the same thing. The next one that is also a charade is that no one wants to go through life in fear. It's not life. It's not enjoyable. Some of the greatest pleasures that we pay a lot of money for are nothing more than to feel the experience of fear. Hmm. Nothing more than to feel what it must be like to be petrified. And the greater the fear, the more money we pay. <laughs> we'll pay $17 or up to $70, depending on the park, to go in and get scared out of our minds multiple times on a roller coaster. You see people, I've given you this analogy. What do people look like when they come off the roller coaster? Yeah, why? It's great to be alive, right? Yeah, it's great to be alive. How come you think it's so great to be alive? I almost died. <laughs> and then two, you know, two minutes later, they start to settle down. But we'll spend seventy dollars. Jump out of an airplane? That could cost you up to a couple thousand dollars, depending on how high the jump is. And you only do it once. That's, that's, that's got to be a bigger fear than a roller coaster. A roller coaster, you're buckled in. Come on, if you stop and think about it, the only way I could really die is if this thing malfunctions and falls off. All right, but that's rare. But a parachute jump? I mean, I could die even if the thing opens. <laughs> even if the thing opens, I could slam into that tree and die. I could, the wind could come and just blow me into that mountain. <laughs> what? This is exhilarating. Fear is a thrill. When it's fear we choose. When it's fear that we choose. See, you're right. No one wants to go through life scared when it's a fear that is thrown upon us. But a fear that we choose and a fear that we stand up to and a fear that empowers us, that's thrilling. That is thrilling. I want to share with you a Gemara. The Gemara in Shabbos. Gemara says the following. Gemara gives three analogies, three parables for fear of God. Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish comes along and he says, he asks, what shot in a Pusik? And he says that Pshat in this Pusik, we don't need to read the Pusik for right now, but he says Pshat in this Pusik is Zeseder Zroyim, Zeseder Moyed, Zeseder Noshim, Zeseder Nezikim, Zeseder Kudshim, Zeseder Tahiris. This Pusik is talking about someone who knows Shas, knows all six Sadarim, knows all of Torah Peh, knows it all. And yet the Gemara says, Nonetheless, you got it all in there, right? <laughs> Fear of God, that's the storehouse. That's where the produce is. You think you got a lot of stuff in there? If you've got Yeras Hashem, you got a lot of stuff. You don't have Yeras Hashem, you got nothing. That's the first one. That's the first one. Second one. Second one, Mushal, the parable. Next one, uh, next one, Rava says, One day when we get upstairs to the ultimate judgment of our lives, they're going to ask us, Did you do business properly? Were you honest? And you try and rip people off to get ahead. What kind of businessman were you? Next, Did you learn Torah? Did you have a set time to learn? 
What are you in this world to do? Did you, you come here to get wisdom? Did you learn Torah? Asakta Bapiri of Arabia? Were you involved in, in building a family? Try and build something in this world? Safisa the Yeshua? Did you look for the redemption and salvation? Did you wait for Mashiach to come? Did you want Mashiach to come? Did you want the world to have redemption? Did you try and understand everything? Pilpul. Did you compare and analyze and try and understand what everything's trying to teach you? So you really come to a good understanding of what it's all about. Now, if you had just that, what would you think of such a person? This guy's got it figured out, right? He knows what he's here to do. He's here to figure out. He's here to work. He's here to figure life out. And he's here to build in this world. But really come to an understanding of everything. Even if he does all that. If he feared Hashem, he's got a storage house. If not, he's got nothing. Next one. Mashal a man says to Amr Lushlucho, a man says to his servant, Go do me a favor, bring in some wheat. Go bring in some wheat. And bring it up to my upstairs, to the storage room. Bring it upstairs. Bring in some wheat. You know, go bring in the harvest. And he goes in and he brings it in. Amr And then he puts it up there and he puts it in storage. And he puts it up in the attic. Now the attic is a little bit exposed to the elements. So then the man says to the servant, Did you put in the preservative? Did you put in the preservative? I'm like, love. No, you, you, didn't. you told me to bring the wheat up there. You didn't tell me to put the preservative in there. Would have been better you didn't even bring it up. It's going to spoil. Would have been better if you had left it in the field. That's a man who's filled with wisdom and no Yerushalayim. Better you didn't learn. That's what it says. That's not my words. It's the Gemara. It says another one. A man with Yerushalayim. If a man's got a lot of Torah... But no Yerushalayim. You know what he's like? Doima legizbar. Shemosalom aftechos apnimios. It's like a treasurer gives you the key to the treasure storehouse. Here you go. Here's the keys. And you go in and it's all the treasures in there. There's no guard. Here you go. Here's the key. <laughs> you, got, you got it all. <laughs> The storehouse, the treasury is right there. The pearls, the jewels, the diamonds, the gold. It's all in there. But he didn't give you the key to the outside door. <laughs> he gave you the key to the safe. But he didn't give you the key to the front of the bank, the front door. <laughs> you can't get out. And then the final one is, where is it? Mochri Zerbiyanai, Chavala de Leisle Darta, Vitarla Darta Ovid. Woe to the man, he's got a, you got, you don't have a mansion. You don't have a mansion, but you build a, you build a gate for it. You don't have a mansion, but you build a gate for it. That's what the Gemara says. Those analogies about Yerushalayim. Let's go over them. What was the first two? first two was, you could have all the Torah. You don't have Yerushalayim, you got nothing. Yerushalayim is the storage room. That's where all the produce is. If you don't have Yerushalayim, it's like you, could, it's like you brought nothing in. The next one was, the next one was, he asked you all the questions. Did you do everything? Did you do what you needed to do in this world? You did everything you needed in this world, but you didn't have Yerushalayim. 
It's as if you didn't do a thing. It's as if you didn't do a thing. The next one was what? The next one was what? The next one was you brought in the produce. You brought in the produce. But you didn't put in the, fur, the, the, the preservative. Better you didn't do it. It was a waste of time. It's all going to go for nothing. You got something, but it's going for nothing. And the final one was, the, the last two were one, the treasury gives you the treasure key. You can get into the treasure house, but you can't, you don't have the key to the front door. And then the final one was, you don't have a palace, but you build a gatehouse for it. Yerushamayim. Seeing the consequences of our actions. That's what Yira means. What does Yira mean? Yira means see the consequences. See that there are serious consequences. Last week when we did the mitzvah of Avas Hashem, when we did the mitzvah of loving Hashem, we read in the Rambam. You remember? We read in the Rambam, and the Rambam said, don't serve Hashem for reward and punishment. Who serves Hashem for reward and punishment? Women and children. And you only do that just to get them to learn. Remember, we weren't speaking about women that understood wisdom. It was just, you just do that to get them to learn. And someone who says that, that's an Evid Garua. It's a lowly servant to serve Hashem for that. And here we are saying that there's a mitzvah to serve Hashem from Yira, from fear, fear of consequences, of punishment, punishment and reward. And the, the Talmud clearly is saying, what? That if you don't have this approach, it was worth nothing. What are you bothering for? What are you doing it all for? Better you did nothing, first it says. Not only better you did nothing, not only that, better it's like you're destroying it. It's as if not it's worse. It's not only it's as if you did nothing, you're destroying it. So you have to understand. You have to understand something very clear. That if a person is only doing his mitzvahs and avodas Hashem because of reward and punishment, then that is an Eved Garua. That is not what we're here for. We said last week, the reason we're here is for Avas Hashem. The reason we're here is to have the ultimate pleasure, to have a relationship with Hashem. But you have to appreciate that if all you have is love, you can love someone the utmost degree and hurt them. You can love someone so much and still insult them. <laughs> and still hurt their feelings. And still cause them pain and suffering. The only way that we, because of our bodies, because of the way we're built, the only way that that love is going to be built upon is if we are real with the consequences. Is that we are real with that what we do matters and makes a difference. And that's what the Chazal here are trying to say. What the Chazal here are trying to say is, is that you're learning Torah, you're learning Torah, and you're not real with the consequences. Well, what's the Torah supposed to do for you? What are we learning Torah for? What are we doing mitzvahs for? Yira, see the reality. See the reality. See that this is supposed to change us. This is supposed to make us different. This is supposed to do something to us. We're not just here to do things, but there's going to be serious consequences if we do it or we don't. And if we don't appreciate that, then you know what it's like? It's like you've got all this Torah, but it doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't do anything for you. You appreciate that? We can have all the Torah we want, we can have all the knowledge we want, we can have all the mitzvahs we want, and it won't change us one iota. I'll prove it to you. I will prove it to you. If any single one of you would do a particular mitzvah, 
There has got to be some mitzvah that you would do that if, God forbid, you didn't do it, you'd feel horrible. You'd feel horrible. Imagine you, you went on a trip for a day and you forgot your tefillin. And you didn't put on tefillin one day. Oh my God, I didn't put on tefillin. Or you ate bread without washing your hands. You're like, oh my God. I didn't wash my hands. Pick one. I get it, just pick one. And if those two aren't, then pick a mitzvah. Pick a mitzvah that you do. You know, I, we have a neighbor. I'm going to get through specific where this neighbor is. But we have a neighbor. We have a neighbor that when it comes to halachas, they are not very particular about. But one time, my wife was with this person, and she gave her a snack, and it was dairy. And they hold of Chal of Yisrael. They, they only eat Chal of Yisrael. And when she found out this wasn't Chal of Yisrael, she almost threw up. She almost threw up. Pick the mitzvah. That if you didn't do that mitzvah, you would be aghast at yourself. There's one? Everyone got one in their head? Yeah? When's the last time you said a bracha without kavana? <laughs> Probably the last bracha you said. <laughs> When's the last time you did Shmon Esrei without proper kavana? When's the last Shmon Esrei I did? <laughs> When's the last time you said Shem Hashem and didn't realize the power of what you just said? When's the last time I said Shem Hashem? When's the last time you wasted time? When's the last time you wasted time? When's the last time you made someone feel bad? Didn't show love of a fellow Jew? What's the difference? Whatever that mitzvah was that you picked, let's just say it's the not putting on tefillin that day. Is that any worse? Is that any worse? than making another Jew feel bad? They're both mitzvahs. They're both averas. Is that any worse than saying Shem Hashem, saying God's name without the proper kavana? I gave you this week, I gave you this one of these weeks, I don't remember which week, but when's the last time someone spoke to you and you knew darn well that they weren't paying attention to you? The eyes were glazed over. How did it feel? You just want to stop talking. And you're doing that to Hashem? <laughs> Which is worse? Which is worse? Than not putting on the tefillin one day? Or the saying Shem Hashem with no kavana? So why is it that that mitzvah would have gassed us? And the other mitzvah, we do it all the time. Because we have let society dictate to us what matters and what doesn't matter. A guy shows up in Asha Torah. I promise you, he's there three weeks to three months. By the end of those three months, he's washing his hands for bread. Did you think about it? That's what everyone does. That's why you do it. Because that's what everyone does. Oh, it's Shabbos afternoon. Everyone goes and Davin's Mincha now and have shallow shooters. Oh, Dabba Mincha, have shallow shooters. That's why you do it. You do it because it's a mitzvah. You realize that the mitzvahs that we do change us? Each one of us is different than we were before we started doing mitzvahs. Those mitzvahs have changed us. We are different people. But could you imagine what different type of people we could really be if we were conscious? of what these mitzvahs were doing? If we stopped and realized what power these mitzvahs have? How different we'd really be? That's Yira. That's Yira. Stomping and saying, I'm about to do a mitzvah. I could do this with kavana, or I could just do it. I'm going to get reward. This is going to change me. That's what reward is. Reward is that there's an impact. It's a reality. 
era. See, see the reality that this has consequences. What are those consequences? Eternity? What type of eternity? A good eternity or a bad eternity? You go back to those nonsensical atheists that I said, you should do the right thing. Even if it meant going to hell, you should do the right thing. Oh, really? You want to go spend the night in Watts? Who's going to spend the night in Watts? Anyone here volunteer? No, but I'd walk through hell for this. <laughs> then you're not real. You go back to that Perky Abbas we read. All of this world. All of it. The Watts, Harlem, any place over there in the Mideast, none of it compares to one moment in hell. Now that's a choice we have to make when we do things. There's another mission in Perkyavos. You just got to read it. Mishnah says, A person should be particular with a small mitzvah, like a, a light mitzvah, as a stringent mitzvah. You should treat washing your hands for hamotzi the same as embarrassing a person in public, to the same as honoring your mother and father, to the same as keeping Shabbos. Anyone here, we're going to break Shabbos this week? You know, turn on a light, you walk in the bathroom, oh, the kid accidentally turned the light on. Ah, no big deal. Click. Who's going to do that? <laughs> oh, my God. And if you saw someone, you'd be like, whoa, not in your house. Oh, but we'll say a bracha with no kavana. No problem. <laughs> no problem. Why? Because nobody sees that. Everybody says brachas without kavana. But someone might see me turning on the light. Be strict with a mitzvah kala, just like a chamor. Why? She'en ata yodeya matan scharon shel mitzvah. You have no idea what the reward of a mitzvah is. You have no idea what a reward of a mitzvah is. You have no idea. Vahave mechashev hefsed mitzvah keneged scharon. Uscharavere keneged hefseyer. And you should contemplate before you do anything. Here it is. Here's the proof that you should think. There's reward and punishment. Don't misunderstand the Rambam. Who says that if you serve Hashem for this, it's an Eved Garua. It's not, now that's the way women and children do it. This is a mission in Perkeavos. And according to one opinion, Perkeavos was written for Dayanim. For judges. We say that it's meant for all of us. This is not written for little kids. You should think before you do anything. Before you do anything, I'm going to get scar for this. I'm going to get reward. I'm going to get reward for this. And contemplate. Contemplate. What do I lose by doing it the right way? What do I lose by waking up with joy in the morning? What do I lose by waking up and saying, Hashem, thank you so much for giving me back life. I lose a little bit extra sleep. Ramnok says, don't worry, you'll sleep during Shimon Esrei later. What do you lose? What do you gain? You gain eternity. You gain eternity. That's what you gain. You gain eternity. And then he says, and then contemplate. What do you lose? Versus what do you gain by doing it the wrong way? What do you gain by doing it the wrong way? What do you gain? Do you gain an extra five minutes sleep? Do you gain that you didn't have to think while you davened? Do you gain that you didn't have to stop and take the time to contemplate what shame Hashem, what God's name means when you're about to say a bracha? Yeah, but what do you lose? You know what you lose? Eternity. You lose eternity. 
lose eternity. It's gone. Never to be gotten back. One moment of this world of action, of tshuva, mice, and tovim, of action, is greater than all of eternity. Because it's real. But it's only if we allow it to be. If we don't take it seriously, it's not real. See, you go back to that final one of Yerush Hashem. Why don't people want to have fear? Because they don't want to go through life looking over their shoulder. What kind of enjoyment is that? What kind of thrill is that? <laughs> what kind of thrill is that? Life is invigorated. If you realize how scary it is. <laughs> when you realize how scary it is. It's invigorating. When you realize jumping out of an airplane, that's a walk in the park compared to what I could lose right now or what I could gain right now. I could lose eternity right now. Do you realize that if I gave each one of you, there are 613 mitzvahs in the Torah. If I said to each one of you, you know what? Memorize it by Shavuos. About two and a half weeks. Oh, about two and a half weeks. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Give me a thousand bucks. All right, five grand. Ten grand. Yeah, see, first thousand, I don't know, five grand, I don't know, ten, ooh, I don't know, twenty grand. 20 grand, but you got to go up no, by Shabbos. Two days, 20 grand. 25 grand by Shabbos. Who's signing on? The only reason you're not jumping is because you know I don't have 25 grand to give you. <laughs> but you know darn well if I was serious, you'd say, Rabbi, can we end class? <laughs> I got to start. Can we stop the class now so I can start memorizing? Because I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to call in sick tomorrow and work. Because I'm 25 grand. You'd have it done. No problem. Or you try as hard as you could. Yeah, you might not. But you try as hard as you could. Right? 25 grand? Eternity. All the pleasure in this world doesn't compare to one moment of the pleasure of eternity. Money? <laughs> it's nothing. That's fear. There's a lot at stake here. My eternity's at stake. That's not why I'm doing it. But you know what? That's what's going to make me realize that it matters. That there's consequences here. That I'm either going to get that Abbas Hashem or I'm not. I'm either going to have that relationship with Hashem or I'm going to have nothing. And that nothing is going to be painful. And that nothing is going to be for eternity. That's your Shemayim. Now how do we get it? How do we get it? So the Ramam says something unbelievable. The Ramam says in Mitzvah's Tefillin. Unbelievable. Kedushas Tefillin. The holiness of Tefillin. Kedushasan Gedoylehi. is very great. It's powerful, the Tefillin. Shekolzman. Shetfillin Berosho Shal Adam Vialzaro. As long as you've got the Tefillin on your head and your arm, who Anov, you are an Anov. You are a humble person. Ve'yira shamayim, and you are a yare shamayim. You cannot help but be that when you're wearing the tefillin. That is how powerful the tefillin are. Ve'eno nimshach b'schoik u'b'sicha b'tela, and you will not be drawn after frivolity or idleness when you're wearing the tefillin. 
You put on the tefillin, there's a heaviness. When are people schmoozing in shul more than making jokes and wasting time and not paying attention to the, to the Shemona Esrei or the Shliach Sibor during a weekday or on Shabbos? Minchamariv or Shachris during the week? Tefillin. There's a power to the tefillin. Tefillin means when you have the tefillin on your head, you are a Yare Shemayim. You cannot help it but be a Yare Shemayim. That is the time to work on fear of heaven. That is the time to work on fearing God. And how do you do it? You take a moment. You take a moment either before you put them on or after you put them on or right before you take them off. And you just stop for a moment and you go through the steps that I took you through. Number one, there is so much pleasure in this world that we know we are missing out on. We know it. We know we're missing out on life. There are times in our lives when we know we are not as happy and as fulfilled as we could be. We are missing out on pleasure. There is so much pleasure that we are missing. It's a lost opportunity. And yet all that pleasure added up is nothing compared to the pain that this world has. Rahman al-Islam, watching your child die. But yet all that pain is nothing compared to all the pain. One moment of that pain of hell. And yet all of hell is nothing compared to one moment of eternity of the reward. And all of that is nothing compared to the accomplishments of doing Hashem's will in this world. See that while you're wearing the tefillin. See that on the scale. That on the one end there is that, and on the other end there's this. Go through that. On top of that, take a moment either before you go to bed or while you're wearing the tefillin. When you're wearing the tefillin, it's the most powerful. But ask yourself, do the exercise that I did with you. Where am I in my Yerush Hashem? What mitzvah would I be exasperated over if I didn't do it one day? There are definitely mitzvahs that you would just be, I can't believe I didn't do that. And then ask yourself, what Avera? That if I did, I would just despise myself. Whatever it is, ask yourself. And then ask yourself, why is that? Why am I that way with that mitzvah? And come to appreciate that every moment and every mitzvah is the same. And then another exercise is to ask yourself, what mitzvah do I constantly just walk right over? with no care or concern whatsoever that I didn't do it properly. I don't care. I have no fear. I have no fear of the consequence because I'm not real with the consequence. And everyone thinks back, think back when you were in school, <coughs> university or high school, and there was always that guy that you knew didn't bother with the tests, didn't bother with the homeworks, didn't bother doing anything. Why? Because he knew it didn't matter. He could talk his way out of it with the teacher. He could talk his way out of it with his parents. We don't think it matters, and we don't take it seriously. And realize, stop and take a moment and say, wait a second, this is a mitzvah. Why am I doing this mitzvah? Am I doing this mitzvah just because everyone else does this mitzvah? Or am I doing this mitzvah? Because it's, it's the Ratzon Hashem. This is what Hashem put me in the world for. And then on the flip side, take an Avera that we do, God forbid. Chas v'shalom. But if there is one, and ask ourselves, how can I do that? I obviously see that there's no real consequence to it. Whatever rationalization I'm coming up with, there's no consequence. That is a practical tool for Yerush Hashem. 
And then think of the Gemaras and realize that each one of these scenarios in the Gemara is telling us that on the one hand, it's as if we're doing nothing because it's not changing us. We're doing mitzvahs and they're having no impact on us. What for? What for? The second Gemara is you're doing mitzvahs and you're learning Torah, but you don't have Yerushamayim? You're not contemplating what this Torah and mitzvahs are supposed to be doing, the outcome of it? Guess what? Better you don't do it at all. It's like taking the weed up. It's going to rot. Ravah says in the Gemara, I beg of you, I beg you, don't get two hells. Don't get two hells. I'll take a cart to Gehenim. What are the two hells? What are the two hells? Well, you're not going to get all Maba. You're going to go to hell there because you're not taking this stuff really seriously. And yet, you know what you're doing? You're torturing yourself in this world. You're torturing yourself in this world. Oh, I'm doing this Torah stuff and all my friends are out there doing that stuff. You're torturing yourself. Better you don't do it at all. The next one, you got the key to the treasury house, but you don't have the key to the front door. You know what? You know what you got? You got all this Torah, you got all this mitzvahs, and you can't do anything with it. You can't do anything with it. You can't teach it over to your wife. You can't teach it over to your children. You can't do anything with it. It's useless. It's something. You've got it. You could say you could, you could teach a shear. Speaking to myself, you can't do anything with it. You can't take it anywhere. That's your Hashem. When you're walking to show, you realize you've got five minutes of opportunity, time. Go over the six constant mitzvahs. Why is it that when someone comes into, into a from community, he keeps Shabbos? He keeps Shabbos. I don't know what else they do the rest of the week. But you know they're keeping Shabbos. Why? Because it's visible. It's visible. I can't remember now the Tana who said it. The Tana says, I beg of you. He was being killed by the Romans. And the student said, Rebbe, teach us one last thing before you go. And he says, I beg of you. Let the fear of heaven be on you like the fear of man. And you know what the students say back? That's it? <laughs> I should fear God as much as I fear you? I mean, I should fear God 50,000 times more than you. And you know what the Rebbe says? Olivai. <laughs> Let it be that you fear like you fear a man. Why? Because what does a man do? A man does something wrong, and what does he ask himself? I hope nobody saw. I hope nobody saw. What do you mean you hope nobody saw? Hashem <laughs> sees. That next line of that Mishnah in Perkyavos that says, think about reward and punishment says, you know what you should think about? And you'll never do anything wrong? One of the things you should think about is that there's always an eye watching you. But what do we say? I hope nobody saw. We are such products of society. We keep Shabbos when we do tshuva because everyone sees that. Go ask people. You know the six constant mitzvahs? Do an experiment. Go up and ask people. Do you know what the six constant mitzvahs are? Uh, is it don't murder, Rabbi? No. Um, uh, where it sits is? No. Six constant mitzvahs. Every moment. This stuff's real. Why? Because nobody cares about it. Nobody cares. Society has told us, don't worry about it. You turn on a light on Shabbos, no way. You say a bracha without kavana? Yeah, but everyone does that. You talk during davening? Yeah, but everyone does that. What are we doing? Are we doing this because everyone's doing it? Or are we doing it because we want to get close to Hashem? Yerushamayim. There are consequences. 
there are serious consequences. We've got to take this stuff real. Otherwise, what are we doing for? It's as if we're doing nothing. That's the Gemara. Not me. That's Chazal. All right, that's the mitzvah. Take some time. Think about it. Think about it. Figure out where are you? Where's your Yerushalayim? And how do you get more? Well, every time. Every time you do a mitzvah, you say to yourself, I'm going to get reward. I'm not doing it for the reward. But I'm going to get reward. If I don't do this properly, I'm going to get punishment. Serious punishment. I'm not going to do it for that reason. But whoa. <laughs> Talk about a thrill. Wakes you up. Wakes you up. Takes life serious. You can't, you can't have your Shemayim without taking life seriously. But you can't get close to Hashem if you don't take life seriously. No. All right. Go ahead.